Hey, welcome to NinerCast. That is NinerCast. Tom Jensen, I'm Grant Cohn. He writes me on SI.com's All 49ers. He writes just about every other day. He does terrific, thoughtful work. Some long-form pieces, a lot of analysis. Definitely recommend you check him out. He just started streaming. He's been working with the coach, who is a friend of the show. Thomas, great to have you. How are you? Thanks, Grant. Great to be here. I appreciate all that you've done for me. It's well, been, I appreciate all that you've done for me. It, well, um, well, you sure. were just sending me emails <laughs> after every stuff. game telling me what to say. Not what to say, but break, giving me all your analysis for free. And eventually I said, hey, man, you should write for me. And now you're you know, now you're a valuable piece of the team. We have limited time Thanks. today. Yes, let's we get to it. We have limited time today. Freaking <laughs> Jed York surprised everyone with a press conference yesterday. And now John Lynch is doing a sort of an impromptu press conference in about two hours. I'm in Oakland. He's in Santa Clara. I'm going to have to get down there. But first, we need right. to talk about what's going on. Jed York's victory lap. It was quite dramatic. He'd been restraining himself, Tom, and he just couldn't wait any longer. He took his victory lap yesterday. What would you think of it? I thought that he did this on purpose because he knew he couldn't do it in Las Vegas. After the game, you have to talk about the game. You have to respond to what happened. And so he knew that if it was open mic night in Santa Clara, that was his chance, which is why he did what he did. And they wanted to take credit. And so he said what he did about the Christian McCaffrey trade and affirming Kyle and, and what he wanted to say. But basically, he was out there to take credit. And that's commonplace for football organizations. So for the Niners, they had to give him that chance and that opportunity to let Jed say, here's what I did. Here's my contribution. And I think that's what it was all about. But he knew that that was the only time and place where he could say what he did. Right. And it's interesting. The, the perception of him was that he was a meddler. He was too involved and he was right. hiring people and firing people. He didn't know really what he wanted or what to look for. And that he, he and his parents found Shanahan and Lynch and got out of the way and sort of let them do their thing. And frankly, that's what owners are supposed to do. And he could have gotten a ton of credit if he had just gone out at some point after the Super Bowl and said, you know what? Really proud of the people I hired. They do everything. I just get out of the way. He would have been looked at as a freaking hero, but he wanted to come out before the Super Bowl and say, nah, I'm involved. Right. right. I'm involved. I make personnel decisions. Kyle didn't believe it. Me and John were on the other side like, you really believe yeah. that? You really think they so you haven't changed? No, no, you haven't changed. You're the same guy, and you revealed it two weeks before the Super Bowl. Man, well, you make yeah. a decision based on ego. You know, these, these folks are billionaires and their egos are healthy and go along with the bank account. And it's like he wanted you to know it, it's not good enough to have lucked into Brock Purdy. I mean, you took him with the last pick, it's not good enough to just have you know, say, Hey, thank you. Thank you. We looked into that one. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's not good enough. He has to see, like, we knew it immediately. We knew it. And, yeah, we, you know, we did it our own way. We didn't want to shake things up. We did it the right way. But pff, we saw this coming. Like, please. Come on. Please. Sometimes you get lucky. If they got you lucky. Things like that that no one believes. It makes, it, it's like it makes you, makes people question everything you say. Your credibility. It, it does. It undercuts everything. And, don't try to take credit for everything when there are some things that are just happenstance. It happened, and now you're in a great place because of it. Accept that. Be thankful for it. Move on. 
but why do yeah. you need to get credit for it? Don't. Yeah. It's also, not. What I would say too. It doesn't hold up. When you try to take the when you take the victory lap before the final game, it makes me wonder how confident you are that you're going to win that final game. That's a great point, Grant. You know, that he knows that in the Santa Clara situation before the game, he's guaranteed to be able to say what he did. If the Niners lose the Super Bowl, he might not be able to say any of it, and that's yeah, if they factored lose the Super into Bowl, why he did, why he said it. When he yeah, said if, it. if they lose the Super Bowl, what are you taking credit for? An NFC Championship victory, Nary beating the Lions? Cool. Well, that doesn't make you Eddie DeBartolo. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. No. No, so sorry, because you and Parag were the guys who. Well, it was Parag who said it, but you described your uncle's operation as a lemonade stand. Well, they have five Super Bowl rings. You have none. Oh. You're five and zero in the Super Bowl. You're zero and two, and if you lose this one, you'll be zero and three, and that will be your legacy. So a lot of a lot of stakes for Kyle, but a lot of stakes for Jed. Absolutely, and he has to know that that's what's coming as a possibility. And again, it factors into why he did what he did. Yeah. But you know, to call it a lemonade stand was a bit rich. <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. Where a, a Stephen are McGowan? the rigs? Stephen McGowan, new member. Thank you very much. Moon man. Tom is great. Knowledgeable. He and coach Saturday. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Thanks, Moon man. Appreciate it, man. Okay. So the Niners have sort of revealed their mindset going into this game. And to you, it's sort of pointing toward... 2019, that game that they yeah. felt they should have won. What do you mean? I think that Kyle's statement to Bosa that Bosa talked about the other day is very telling. He said that defensive line stamina is the key to the game. That's what you say after 2019. Mm-hmm. That's not what you say going into this game. Yeah. Is in that That's game. That's how you they, lost in 2019. Right. Right. And so it's in response to that. If their head is saying that, all we need is 2019, but a little bit better and we'll win. That's making a ton of assumptions. The 2019 front four defensively was one of the best in the league in years. You had DeForest Buckner. You had D. Ford. They picked off Mahomes twice. They sacked him four times in that game. Mahomes is a different quarterback now, too. He protects the ball more. His mm-hmm. last six games, he hasn't thrown an interception. He's been sacked five times. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to – pick them off twice and sack them four times. Good luck. And if you think you're going to do that with this defensive line, that's not going to happen either. So I'm worried that they're looking at 2019 and anchoring themselves to, if we just tweak it, we'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, no, no. It's got this it's is a completely a, different game. It's a whole different team. I mean, the, the Chiefs are yeah. a defensive team now. They're a run right. or a, a running, a run and defense team, kind of like the Niners, although they're, they're run game. Um, They've been more committed to the run game recently. And their quarterback, who's the greatest gunslinger of all time, is actually more of a game manager than Brock Purdy right now. Yeah, yeah. And to his credit, it's part of his maturity. He knew that putting the ball up for grabs was part of how they could lose. It's how they did lose to Cincinnati. And so protecting the ball is part of how we can guarantee they win. It's smarter play. Now, being a game manager isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's what Mahomes has become. It's just yeah. that he's also capable of doing a whole lot more. And it's it's like um, the league forced him to do it, right? Because th- th- he was going bombs away for years, and they said, all right, we're just going to play two deep safeties all the time, force you to check it down and manage the game. And he was like, okay, I can do that too. If you want yeah. me to do that, I'll beat you that way. How do you want me to beat you? Let me know. I can do it. Got to respect that. Right. Right. That's what the Chiefs are. 
You're going to hang back? All right, we'll just hand it off to Pacheco, and, and this is the hardest-running running back in the league, and you have seven in the box. Good luck. And then when you bring the eighth in the box, hey, man, we got Patrick Mahomes. We're going deep. Good luck. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's they have any number of ways to beat you, and, and as I believe Walsh said, is that the more ways you can win, the more ways you do win. Here's what and killed me. Mahomes has recognized that. They're talking about 2019. They're focused on, like, little tweaks that they would have won that game. What about the 2022 game they played against the Chiefs? When the Chiefs scored 44. 44. Yeah. Shouldn't like, that be your more recent reference? Sure. Yeah. I think so. It seems like as Mahomes gets more exposed and Andy Reid gets more exposed to this defense, they have more and more. Like Tyreek Hill was in that game. Uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling went for a 111. Like, yeah. I don't know. Juju. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They had a good game. Yeah. They averaged nine yards of play. So that's what you have to address. The last time you faced him, which was just a, a little over a year ago, he had no answers for them. They made it look easy. They threw, he, I think Mahomes threw a pick on the first drive and they never punted. Right. After that, they just rolled. Mm-hmm. Rolled. That's and where they got to look at. And, and yeah, that's where they should calibrate is say that, okay, the last time we played them, this is what happened. But beyond that, they it's need home. to look at Kansas City's doing now. Hey, why don't you try wiping the. Uh, like just like like you know how when you had a little schmutz on your face and your mom would like wipe it off. Why don't you like wipe your uh, the lens wipe real the quick? See if that works. See if, See if that works. It does. Boom. Hey, there you what go. do you know? You a lot better. Boom. Okay. There you go. Okay. Duh. Funny how little things like that work. Yeah. Amazing. That's okay. Sorry about that, All right, folks. Cool. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> You're welcome. Jeez. Okay. All right. Why is Kyle Shanahan so conservative? I mean, you look at him. He seems like he's so young and hip and cutting edge, but really he's very tied to the past in a lot of ways. Well, I think the key with Kyle, the answer to him in the back of the book is that he overreacts and overvalues the negative. And that ties to everything, every decision. Um, the clock management against Green Bay at the end of the first half, his goal was to not give the ball back to Green Bay. It wasn't move the ball God down forbid. the field and get the best chance. But why doesn't he play Jordan Mason? Because he fumbled the preseason, overreacting to the negative. Why yeah. doesn't he pull the starters sooner because of the fluke game that Detroit had to come back on? He always overvalues and overreacts to the negative. It's who he is. It's the trait of a perfectionist. That's that's what they do. So it's just you have to know that with Kyle, that's that's part of what comes with the package with him. That's true. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a nice thing. I mean, you want your, your head coach to be a perfectionist, but at the same time, he's running the clock out on himself at the end of a half. Right. I understand if you're going against the Chiefs. I understand if you're going against the Chiefs. I get it. Didn't he do that against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Yep. He did. And John Lynch was in the, was in the booth saying timeout, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That happened. Okay, right. Yeah. So I forgot about that. So I get it. Okay, it's Patrick Mahomes. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't give Mahomes another possession. I get it. But you're the one seed you're going against Detroit. You're the one seed you're going against Green Bay. You're worried about them. You're better than them, aren't you? In all phases. So right. just and their defenses are their you weak point. Games? Yeah. Well, you have to know that their defense is gettable. So yeah. why are you doing this? Yeah, it does make sense. Well, let me give it, let me give a a theory why okay. he's doing this particular thing at the end of the half. His defense isn't that good right now, Tom. This is true. 
<laughs> that's a, that, that's talk a about real it. concern. Yeah. Yeah. National pundits talk about the Niners like, man, this defense is so great. It used to be. It hasn't been in a few months. Well, you, you look at the run yardage in the, in the playoff games, it's bad. And as you bad. talked about with coaches, that if you play a wide nine and then the other team stretches your line out, they'll run on you all day. Mm-hmm. And so that's my concern is if you want to stop Kansas City from the jump, you know, from their first possession, you need to play a five-man front. I agree. And it's also a way to optimize Hargrave. I think that they misevaluated Hargrave in that he succeeded within a five-man front in Philly. Play a five-man front now, you can kickstart Hargrave, and you can do a better job stopping the run. My concern is that Wilkes is going to start up in base, and that can get chewed up, as we've seen against Detroit and Greenback. Absolutely. The Niners adopted the wide nine to counteract the Rams who were dominant in the division in 17 and 18 and the Rams had were an 11 personnel offense that would run the ball. So light formations, uh, no fullback, one tight end. That's it. And wide nine tees off on that. But all of a sudden you get tight ends in the formation, three tight ends in the formation. Wide nine is not the front you want. Absolutely not. Especially against 12 and 13 personnel. And that's what Kansas city runs a lot. Yeah, they've yeah, had a lot it's of not success what people ran a lot five, six years ago, but now it is. Maybe because right. of the success the Niners have had with the wide nine. So you have to have another front you can go to if you're getting destroyed. It's not just necessarily changing from zone to man. I've seen people say they're not playing man coverage in this game. Great. How are you going to stop the run? You're not. Great. Yeah. And when you play man That's... coverage, are you going to be able to keep Mahomes from scrambling? Because when it's man, the five-yard scramble could be a 20-yard scramble. Easily. I think part of what they're going to need to do on third and long is cover zero. You're going to need to send six to deny Mahomes a scramble lane and speed him up, force him to throw mm-hmm. the ball away. You're not looking for sacks. You're looking for stops. That needs to be their focus. Four-man pass game. rush. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to get it I'm with you. All right, let's do a little bet U.S. Let's do a little... Bet U.S. Let's make some wagers. You want to do prop? Which which props were you talking about? We got all the props here. Um, the receiving props for the Chiefs. Receiving Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. I don't know if they're there, but main or props? just the um. I don't know. No, those are There's just so many stuff. props. Yeah, I don't know. Well, just go to what you normally do, but. What I saw online was a lot of people saying that you know, Rice and Kelsey are going to get at least seven receptions, and most of these over-unders have them at six to six and a half. Well, what do you think about this spread? It was Niners minus one. Now it's Niners minus two. Why is this changing? I think it's just a reaction to the betting, that what Vegas yeah. wants is to calibrate the money so that it's 50-50. And I think yeah. over time there's been a lot of this for the Niners – going back decades that you had a fan base that's really close to Vegas. They bet a lot. And so the Niners got uh, an odds bump from that. Now location doesn't matter, but there's still a whole bunch of Niner fans and they move the line. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this? Do you? Th- it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, 10 to three all time. Right. I mean, I hate to, I don't know. If I had to bet today, I think I would take 
losing the points. Things could change. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if, I'm going if to. I had to put money down, I would, I would, unfortunately, I would put it on Kansas City minus two. I'm going to put 100 bucks down right now on Kansas City just to be a jerk. I'm placing the bet. <laughs> okay. Dumb did it. I did it. It's that easy on BetUS. Boom. See what happens. If you guys want to play some bets on what BetUS, go to the link in the description and receive 125% bonus and get your winnings within 24 hours if you win. There you go. All right. Sorry I did that. I know I've had to hurt. No, that's fine. Not for you, but the people watching. Let's oh, talk sure. about the Niners on offense. What are they going to? How are they going to come out in this game? The Chiefs have statistically the best pass rush in, in the NFL in terms of sack percentage. I know they lost Charles and many so it's not as good, but it's still good. It's dominant. It's the Niners, tough. every time they faced a D line like this, they've kind of blinked and lost their identity early. What do you think is going to happen? Chris Jones has hurt them every time he's played them because oh, he's just he's a beast. So big that there's not a lot that you can do. Even when he doesn't get a rush, he can still tip the ball. And yeah. he can be a problem that way too. So for the Niners, I think that what you have to do is Kansas City's 28th against the run. You got to run on them. No matter what they show, run. And I think that's the mistake that Todd Munkin ran is that he didn't run the ball enough. He didn't give the ball to his backs. They became one dimensional. And then now you're playing right into Spagnuolo's hands. So for the Niners, what I think they have to do is run, you know, toss left a lot and just count on what you do well and go strength on strength as Harbaugh would. You have to do that. Then beyond that, you're going to get a lot of blitzing and you have to be prepared for it. And they do a lot of simulated pressure. So I think that they need to work the horizontal game and the short game. You need to have a rhythm that's established by throwing short all game. This game is five to 10 yard chunks. I have a feeling they're going to do what other teams have tried to do to the Niners, make them one-dimensional, show an eight-man front, show a five-man line, show a six-man line, and get Kyle Shanahan to say, okay, well, I have to pass against that. Great. Become a drop-back team. That's what we want you to do because we have the best pass rush and you don't have a good you don't have good pass protection. So let's play that game. Uh, I could see the Niners doing that. I mean, that's what they've done when they've faced dominant D-lines. All of a sudden, first play of the game, you see Brock Purdy in the gun, in the pistol. And he stays there most of the game. And it's a lot of uh, tosses to the outside from the gun and throws horizontally. I don't know. They won that way against Philly, but they were going to win anyway against Philly. Philly was. Philly's back seven was so bad. There's you almost couldn't help, but win. Almost couldn't help, but win. it didn't work against Baltimore at all. Right. Well, and Baltimore did such a good job of masking intent and bringing secondary players and blitzes. And the Niners didn't know what to expect. So I think what they have to do is establish a quick passing game so that the blitz doesn't matter. You need to give Brock just his chances just to get into a rhythm and take advantage of the fact that you've got the best yak players in the league. Get him the ball in space. Sounds like Debo has to have a really big game. He does. I think he's he's the key to the game offensively. Debo's going to have to be big. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's great, great running back and a a very good receiver too, but when it comes to throwing little screen passes or little swing passes, I'd rather throw to Debo than McCaffrey. I think Debo's even more dangerous. Because he can break tackles. McCaffrey's yeah. strength is that he plays off his blockers and sets up his blocks beautifully. He's yeah. the best in the league at setting his blockers up. So yes. with McCaffrey, you want blockers in front of him. With Debo, you just give him the ball in space and let him go to work. It's a different thing. Yeah, he just runs over people and hurts them. I mean, yeah, it looks painful. 
Anything he else on offense is. you want to? I mean, what about Ayuk? Ayuk's been their X factor all all year, but he's more of a downfield threat. I feel like it could be dangerous trying to force him the ball against this defense. It is. Well, this defense takes away the receivers. It's what they do best. So you need to to emphasize going to Debo, McCaffrey, and Kittle. It is they have arguably the best combination, the best duo of corners in the league. So I think with Ayuk, it's it's more a question of just what can you do in scheming it up to free him, or can you take a couple of deep shots just to keep them honest? Yeah. But I don't think that Ayuk's going to have the level of game or the impact that he did in the first two games. All right, let's talk about what the Niners are going to do on defense. And let's preface this by explaining what the wide nine defense is, because we're going to be talking about the wide nine. It's their front, and it's a little bit of, it's a little gimmicky. Not that many teams use it. The Niners have used it for a while. And essentially, it refers to the uh, the positioning of the strong side defensive end, the defensive end that's on the tight end side of the formation. Most of the time, most teams will have someone head up with it, like across from the tight end, a little inside the tight end. The Niners take their DN and bring them way outside the tight end. Right. So as a four-man line goes, there is more space between the defensive linemen in this front than in any other four-man front. There's yeah, a lot of space of, between yeah. them. It's there part is. of why teams can run on them. It's part of why teams can scramble on them is because there is that much space. There's a lot anyway. of space. And, and when you're again, when you're going against a, a formation with no fullback and one tight end, it's effective because there isn't that much space between the defense alignment. But once you start widening it, widening it with two tight ends and three tight ends, very vulnerable, very vulnerable. And really, it's at its best when you're winning. When you're up 10 nothing, it's great. But when you're down 10 nothing and the other team's punishing you with those heavy formations, usually you need to make an adjustment. So that's what happened in the yeah. NFC Championship game. Niners never really made an adjustment. What do you think is going to – what do you expect from them on defense in this game? Unfortunately, I expect them to open in base and then react to it. But I think that Wilkes will be quicker to react. That in the NFC Championship, he didn't react until the second half. This one, he's going to have to react after the first series. But if he opens in base, I think that Pacheco will be able to run easily. And it, it's just it's not just scheme, it's personnel. That you don't have the, the DBs and the safeties to shut down the run the way that the scheme calls for it. They're missing players that can make that happen. So part of that's Hufunga. Part of that's just you don't have the guys you need to run this. So that worries me. But the other thing is just the Kansas City runs 12 and 13 a lot. That's probably their most frequent set. And so yeah. if you're Kansas City, if you're Andy Reid, what do you do? You run 12 a lot. The other problem is that Andy Reid's the master of screens and the Niners aren't good at defending it. That's another problem. True. So it's really how do you point. deal with all of that? And then the third thing is your linebackers are occupied because you got to deal with Kelsey. And so how do you stop Kelsey, stop the run, and deal with the screen? It's just you can't clone your linebackers, so there's got to be more help. The safeties have to play really well. Jair Brown's going to have to come up with a big game in this. And that's the thing. So we're saying the Niners should play a five-man front to stop the defense, to stop the, the run. But when you play a, a five-man front, now I feel like you're even more susceptible to the screen because you have few, fewer players in pursuit. So it, it's a tough one. But, like, let's talk about the front for a second. So if the wide nine is getting run over by these heavy formations, what can, what can you do? Well, when Fangio was the defensive coordinator 10 years, he would use a five-man front most of the time. And we talked right. about the wide nine. You move that D end outside the, the, the tight end. Well, right. – in Fangio's front, 
The strong side DN was Ray McDonald, who's freaking 300 pounds. He was playing a four-eye technique, which means basically head up with the tight end, but a little bit inside. Or, no, he would be out on the offensive tackle out there. So sort of like inside the tight end and outside the offense, right out there. And then you'd have Ahmad Brooks setting the edge outside of him. So you had two players. You had 300-pound Ray McDonald and 275-pound Ahmad Brooks at the strong side of the point of attack saying, you can't run here. Niners have Chase Young and nothing yeah, inside. Yeah, and nothing. And I, nothing I inside. Hope that they, yeah, I hope that they start Randy Gregory and just use Chase Young for a sub-package yeah. on passing downs. Yep. But I think you've suggested in the past, move Eric Armstead back to edge. Yep. And I think they need put to Eric experiment Armstead with at that the spot, too. Put Eric Armstead at the spot that Ray McDonald was in and then yeah. have either Randy Gregory as that fifth guy on the line or Dre Greenlaw. They, sometimes they move Dre Greenlaw down there, but whatever, whoever, whoever. I think you need to use a lot of five-man lines. You do. You do. You're gonna and lose. you also need to use a lot of blitzing. The, you look at where Baltimore succeeded with their blitzing. Kyle Hamilton got a sack and finished. The Niners need to find a way to take advantage of that because Mahomes can be vulnerable in picking up uh, blitz recognition sometimes. And they aren't that great in pass pro from their backs. So that's a way to attack them. Good call. Aaron Russell, stop downplaying Green Bay and Detroit like we should have beat them by 30. They were in the playoff position that they were in for a reason. We beat both of them. That's true. Um, but they were still beatable and proved that they were too young and made some mistakes. But that yeah, the Niners, the Niners need to elevate their game a lot because this is Kansas City. I mean, Spagnuolo is, is now coaching in his fifth Super Bowl. I mean, these guys have a lot of experience in this game. That's true. And if you don't believe Tom, just listen to the Niners. They'll tell you that they didn't play particularly well in the two preseason games, the two postseason right. games. They're giving up 5.6 yards per carry in the playoffs, 158 rushing yards a game. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl like that. They have to play better. And they have to react soon. You, know, yeah. you can't spot them at half and then adjust. You have to adjust immediately. We'll and it's like, are we supposed to forget that the Niners were 10-point favorites against Green Bay and 7.5-point favorites against Detroit? And point. They didn't dominate. They escaped. No. They, they found ways to beat teams they were supposed to dominate. Okay, great. Well... Now you got a much better team that's been dominating. And a team that's been there before and isn't going to make the same kind of mistakes that Kansas City and Detroit did. Thank you. Jordan Love, I mean, Mahomes not going to do that. No. no. Tinker, I mean, who are the chiefs, the chefs? Grab a Snickers. It's a good commercial. <laughs> uh, Brother Bob says, Tommy, I say rush five, double Kelsey and, and Ward, Shadow Rice. Okay. I don't know about that. Know about that? I don't know about Doubling that. Kelsey, I, I kind of want to see what Lenore is going to do on Rice. Lenore's the one who's good in the slot, and Rice is very much a slot receiver. Lenore's having Lenore's having a really good year. Well, part of the way that you could go with the five man front is to have Diamond Lenore on the outside corner and have him on Rice because mm -hmm. Rice isn't going to overpower him, and Lenore can still make plays in the run game. Yeah, I would take Ambry off the field and, and move Lenore outside. I would agree. Brother Bob, run downs, move 91 outside and play McGill interior. McGill, Kinlaw, Given, someone, whoever has some success against the run. Brother yeah, Bob, Chase to, Young should change his name to Chill Young. What? React to what works. Yeah, that's usually a good thing to do. 
<laughs> Chase Young says, is Chase, uh, Brother Bob says Chase Young should change his name to Chill Young. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. The casual story. Yeah. Chase isn't making a good case for keeping him. That's for sure. Gammon Brown. Kyle needs a backup plan in case Debo gets injured. True. He often doesn't yeah. have those. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But, you know, this is the final game. You got to go all out. Debo Kittle has in the short to be a passing full game will part be key. of the, the game plan. Aaron Russell says Kittle in the short passing game will be key. Yep. The short yeah. get passing game in general. All of Debo and McCaffrey. Um, you attack right. Kansas City. One. Um, they also talked about doubling Kelsey. One thing I wanted to, to mention was Luke Keekley was on with uh, in career. Luke Keekley was on with Kay Adams, and he had a great thing to say about how you stop Kelsey. He said that the key is you have to keep your eyes on him the entire play. Don't look back to the quarterback. When you look back to the quarterback, Mahomes sees that as a read, and then Kelsey runs away, gets separation, finds a hole in the zone pulling the coverage and there he is and you can't catch up. So Kikley said you've got to maintain eye contact with Kelsey the entire play. Never take your eyes off the guy. And then don't read his hands for the catch. Read his eyes. Kelsey moves his hands really late to make the catch. If you could read his eyes, then you'll see when the ball's coming and make a play and adjust. So I thought that was brilliant from Kikley and, and one of the best linebackers of the last 10 years. He knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. And it, it seems like, so yeah, maybe the Niners will be playing man coverage in this game. They tried to yeah. play zone coverage against the Lions. It didn't work in the first half. They came out in the second half, played man-to-man coverage, and realized, oh, we can cover their wide receivers. Jared Goff isn't that precise. Maybe they'll try that again in this game. Think well, Mahomes is great, but Kelsey's better against zone than man. And Rasheed Rice is good, not great. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is decent, not great. We can cover these guys. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it plays into his strength is that Traverius Ward, Yamada Lenore, they can both man up well. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just a question of what can the safeties do? What can, what can Warner do? But I think that they're better man than zone, especially with Kelsey, that if you zone Kelsey, he'll find the hole. He'll beat you. You have to man up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I would do what uh, what Keekley advocates and see if it works. I, w- I think it's – I bet they will. I bet they will. It'll be yeah. interesting because, I mean, I think they have guys who can man it. Like, the Ravens didn't. But do you think Fred Warner could play man-to-man coverage on Kelsey? Or would you have it be Jair Brown? Well, it, it depends on just where he's lined up and what the Niners are playing in terms of their formation. But – Either one of them, I think, is capable of doing it. Uh, I would have more confidence in Jair, but we'll see. Fred could do it. And I think the, the other thing with Fred is that you know that in this game, Fred's going to show. He, yep. He's had some lapses, but when the game is biggest and Fred knows that this might be his last chance at the Super Bowl, that he's going to show up and, and he's aware of the moment, the opportunity, and the history and he's had some great quotes about that, of being cognizant of the moment. That it, It's not all the time that you get back to this. You have to be respectful of the opportunity and play your best when it counts most. All right, let's talk about, one more time, the key to stopping the run. Because there's so many different facets to stopping the run. And I think what Kyle Shanahan is trying to say is it's not just one thing. It's not like Chase Young not setting an edge. I mean, it's all kind of problems. So let's like be real 
systematic about it, starting with the front. We talked about how the wide nine is kind of weak against the front, but just let's talk about box count. Box count. A lot of times Steve Wilkes will play two deep safeties and he'll play seven in the box because he doesn't want to give up the throw deep. Well, picture a, you know, picture a formation in your mind, five offensive linemen, two tight ends, seven blockers against seven defenders. It's a hat on a hat. There's no one unblocked. So there's, if you think about it, seven, seven guys in the line, there's eight gaps. Count it. There's eight gaps, seven guys in the line. The running back's going to find a gap. Or someone in that front seven is going to have to play, be playing two gaps at once. You call it two gapping. Someone right. has to do it. It's not easy to do. So, that, no. so, so if you want to be better against the run, and you don't even have great players, you bring the safety down, you, that, you bring the unblocked defender down, and all of a sudden you have a, a numbers advantage against the run. That's a, that's a big one. But then beyond that, it's also effort and hustle, which the Niners have been dealing with as well. Like Deshaun Gibson not running that hard, or Chase Young not pursuing from the backside. All that stuff goes into account. And angles that angles. you need to have the right pursuit angles to. And yes. the um, swarming to the ball. It just yes. And part of that's effort. You know, it's, oh, he's got it. No. Everybody go to the ball. Stop it. That's right. Which is what they I did under D'Amico. Yeah, yeah. The effort was always there every play under D'Amico, and it's not as consistent now, which is a real concern. Here's another thing. When you go 12 personnel, 13 personnel, you put the Niners in base. Their third linebacker is Oren Burks. He ain't Aziz Alshair. And if you go back and look at the all 22 of some of David Montgomery's big runs between the tackles, a lot of times it's Oren Burks out of a gap. Right. He's a special teams guy. And the Niners are, you know, the league became very much, oh, it's a nickel. It, it's a, it's an 11 personnel league. It's a nickel league. It's slower. It's, it, it, it's, it's smaller. It's faster. It's your nickel on the field. It's two linebackers. Nah, that third linebacker is going to matter in this game. And it's Oren Burks. Part of the problem with Burks is that as a special teamer, it's just about your effort and running hard to get there. You don't have to shed blocks. And I think that or that's the one right of the gap. real key. Yeah. And one of the real keys for the Niners is they have to get off of their blocks in this game. That's mm -hmm. part of how you stop Pacheco. And I'm worried about that from a fundamental perspective of does Burks do a good job of that now? And so what do you do to get around it? I, I think you're going to have to run blitz. You're going to have to show a five-man front. You're going to have to do everything you possibly can. But part of this is personnel, too. It's just you don't have the guys. You don't have that third linebacker. You don't have that DB that can stop the run and shut down outside. You, know, there you don't are have that, that strong are, safety that you had last year in Talanoa right, Funga. Right, and you don't yeah. have Talanoa. And yeah. so it's just how do you overcome that? And I think it basically it's, you're going to have to take the blows. But what you can't afford to do is just get out there and base, and then yeah. Chico kills you. Yeah. You have to stop the run. That's an absolute. And right. So, so you can put five on the line. You can put eight in the box. You can put five in the line. You can put eight in the box, and 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 that'll do that. You'll be respectable against the run, no matter who you have out there. But um, as long as everyone in their right gaps. But now you're really vulnerable against the pass, and it's Patrick Mahomes. So. We'll see if well, Lenore yeah. and Ward can hang up, can hold up on islands. That's what's gonna this game's gonna come down to. But you know, it's pick your poison. Which one do you have more faith in? I would have a lot more faith in Ward and Lenore doing a great job, man up, than the run defense succeeding in wide nine. 
Ward on Valdez Scantling and Lenore on Rasheed Rice. That's the matchup. Yeah. And, I'm, and if, I, if, if, if Mahomes goes correct, deep think, and beats you, okay. But I think Valdez think Scantling beat Ward for like a 57-yard catch in 2022. And people say Ward was coming off a groin injury. Okay. Well, guy's got speed. He can run right by you. He's fast. He can, but, but I he think can. that Javarius Ward has had an upgrade in his ability and his technique under, under Wilkes. He's a better true. player than he was then. It's a good point. It's a great point. Um, Bull Uppercutter says, why nobody asking about Brock saying Kyle wanted Tom Brady? That's a good point. Yeah. But Kyle knew that Brock was the best, but he wanted Tom Brady too. <laughs> Aaron Russell says, thoughts on Ward? I personally feel this year he's been crushing it. I was not that yeah. impressed before this year. This He left this before you said this, so he, he anticipated your thought, yeah. but there you go. He's doing a great job. Yeah. And really, I think that's been Steve Wilkes' best um, impact on the defense. The yeah. impact he's had on Lenore, Ward, those two. But Well, that's his that's expertise, yep. is that he can take and elevate the gains of your secondary. Ambry has improved. Yeah. Ward has improved. Lenore has improved. And it helps to have that. You know, defensive coordinators in the past have been linebacker guys. Now you've got a DB specialist, and it helps but you still have to adapt to what's necessary to stop the run. This run defense really misses Aziz Al-Shair and Samson Ebukam. Those two guys were really, really strong against the run. And in both cases, the Niners didn't try to replace him. Maybe, I mean, you could say Cleveland Farrell was a nod to Samson Ebukam, that kind of edge setter, but well, yeah. they just they just rolled with the special teamer at the third linebacker and said, eh, that position doesn't matter so much anymore. Well, all of this adds up. It's part of the theme of this Super Bowl is that there's players missing. And yeah. part of it comes from the Trey Lance trade. You missed all those picks. Mm-hmm. Plus the, the McCaffrey trade, you, you gave all those picks up too. That's true. Know, I would I would make that trade in a heartbeat, but there's a cost, and the cost is on the defense. Right, and you, you could pretend that the Niners traded all those picks for Brock Purdy if you want. They went into the quarterback position. You could say that. And now the quarterback position is a strength. So you put all those resources into quarterback and running back great those positions are solidified somehow some way you got there they better carry this team this is an offensive team now because that defense got holes in it yeah yeah well hopefully they can fill them in the draft but we'll see yes in in retrospect it's kind of quaint to look back to what was it mid-october and think that chase young was going to fix everything like knowing what we know about him now no. no, no, no. This is bigger than Chase. He, he, he's a third down pass rush specialist. That's it. Can we call him? His name is Jog Young, isn't it? It's Jog. Jog. It's not Chase. It's Jog. Shuffle <laughs> Young. It's Jog or Shuffle or yeah. Sorry. All right, guys. That's Gosh. it's a forty minute show. I got to get down and make sure that uh, I get I, I reach freaking John Lynch because I have a feeling this is going to be one of the more entertaining interesting press conferences of all time. It will. It will. It's going to be just phenomenal. So, Tom, great show. Let's do this again. Thank Real you, Grant. Soon. This was really fun. Appreciate it. I thought the best, the, the funniest part was it just needed a little spit, a, a little spit clean. <laughs> it just needed a little spit clean, man. That's the best. Oh, You're man. thinking like, thanks for that. What, what high-tech problem that I am I not understanding about this tech? It's like, no, it's just. Yeah, yeah. It just, just, just smooshed. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. I'll check in with you guys from Santa Clara. Let's see what John Lynch has to say.